Hey, bro, why keep putting off until tomorrow what you know you need to do today? Go ahead and book a free breakthrough call with us so we can connect you to a community of godly men who can understand your challenges and do life with you as a husband, father, leader, or just as a man without judgment, shame, or rejection. Just go to realmenconnect.com forward slash call. Available times are limited each week, so book your free call today. That's realmenconnect.com forward slash call. Again, that's realmenconnect.com forward slash C-A-L-L. Help us here if you're ready to receive it. If you only had 24 hours to live and you had to teach your son or sons everything you learned about being a man, from life to love, money to marriage, people to porn, and everything in between, what lessons would you teach him? Well, when my son was only 12 years old, I wrote a book for him I wanted to leave behind as my legacy. It's called, Are You the Man? 201 Lessons I Wish My Dad Would Have Taught Me. And I squeezed all of those lessons on manhood into just 124 pages. The lessons I share in this book not only come from my successes in life, but many of them also come from my painful and even shameful failures, including divorce, abuse, addiction, adultery, and abandonment, just to name a few. You can read and learn in less than two hours what it took me over 30 plus years to learn the hard way. So just go over to areyoutheman.com and get your copy today. That's areyoutheman.com. Trust me, your wife and children will thank you for it later. Welcome to Real Men Connect. Are you ready to be the extraordinary man, husband, father, and leader God called and created you to be? Then get ready to receive wisdom and guidance from some of the country's most respected men of faith as you learn everything you need to know to go from good man to great man God's way. No judgment, no shame. Just real men with real challenges seeking real change. All for God's glory. Hello, mighty men of God, and welcome to the Real Men Connect podcast, where we help good men become great men God's way. I'm your host, Dr. Joe Martin, and every week we interview some of the nation's most respected and accomplished men of faith to find out what it really takes to become the kind of husband, father, and spiritual leader God has called and created us to be. And each interview session is packed with practical, proven biblical principles you can immediately apply in your relationships, on your job, and in your community. Guys, today with I have a, you can't see me, but I have a smile on my face. Because today we have with us a personal friend of mine. His name is Mike Sandlin. Mike has been in the fight for men's souls for a long time. He has a passion for reaching men for Christ. But after being diagnosed with kidney cancer in December of 2006, the rally of the need to impact men's lives became paramount to him. And since then, Mike has led men's Bible studies and discipleship groups to encourage men in their walk with Christ. And Mike speaks at men's groups regularly and spends hours just talking to men about their spiritual walk. And he and his wife, Joan, have been married for 46 years. That's right, guys. You heard me. 46 years. And they live in Hampstead, North Carolina. They have two children and two grandchildren. And he and Joan are active members in at Scott's Hill Baptist Church in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he is currently teaching Sunday morning class school there. And Mike currently serves as the Cape Fear Network of Baptist Church's men's ministry consultant. And Mike is also a member of the National Coalition of Ministries to Men and is part of the Iron Sharpens Iron National Men's Equipping Conference Network. Guys, I asked Mike to be on the show not only because he's a friend of mine, because Mike and I, um, we run in similar circles. We travel in similar circles. And like me, Mike has served as a field representative for Men in the Mirror. And we were all also were both blessed to be mentored by the late and great coach, Jeff Kasaya. 
And I wanted to chop it up with Mike today. So I invited him to come on the show and talk about what I call the three M's, men, ministry, and making disciples. So join me, Warrior Nation, in welcoming my good friend and brother in Christ, Mike Sandlin. Welcome to the show, Mike. Oh, thank you, Joe. That, that, that's a great intro. I hadn't had one like that in a long time. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> well, it's well-deserved, brother. Well-deserved. Well-deserved, Mike. You know, it, it, I love interviews like this, Mike, because, because I know you and, you know, we've known each other now for a few years that it's so relaxed when I, I bring guys who I know and I know their heart for men. Um, I've spoken at some of your events. Uh, we travel on Iron Shoppers Iron. We you know, we have the same one of the same mentors. We work for Man in the Mirror. Um, you worked there a lot longer than I did. And so, <laughs> but you, that's how you met Coach K. And so this is just a comfortable interview that I, I'm I'm excited about because I get to chop it up with my friend to talk about what we both love and, and is dear to our heart, which is discipling men and men Amen. in general. Amen. So, man, let's jump to it, man, because I got a lot of stuff I want to ask you about. OK, OK, let's do it. And hopefully we'll get a chance to get to the man up course. I know you can't wait to get to that. So, <laughs> I love those man up questions. I really do. <laughs> so let's start with this, man. We always ask our guests when they come on the show, uh, uh, share their favorite Bible verse from the word of God that gives them hope and inspiration. It could be a seasonal verse. It could be their life verse. And what's that for you, man? Well, actually, there's a couple of verses, Joe. Um, one that has been uh, one, probably one of the first verses I ever memorized, believe it or not, besides John 3.16, was uh, Romans 8.28. A lot of people look at me kind of strange when I say that, for all things work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to their purpose. Why, why, do, they you, why do they look at, at you strange? Well, I don't know. They just they just kind of they just kind of <laughs> understand, I think, the completeness of that verse and, and the meaning of that verse, so to speak, because what it basically is telling us is that everything, it doesn't matter if it's good or bad, God's working into the good of his purpose. And I've had events that happened in my life, especially in my younger life, that when I look back on now, God has allowed me the opportunities to understand why he allowed those things to happen, because it did work good uh, for his kingdom into my life. And so, so that's a very uh, meaningful verse. In fact, it's so meaningful. My wife understands th the fact that it's so meaningful to me that she found a, a decal, one of those decals that you can put on the walls, and it is uh, on the wall over my bed. So it's the last thing I see before I go wow. to bed at night. So cool she, so she, yeah, so she understands the importance of that verse to me. The second verse uh, basically became a very important verse to me uh, through that kidney cancer experience you mentioned in my intro, uh, which comes out of First Thessalonians chapter two, verse six, which says, "Paul said we were so desirous of you, we were pleased to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you were very important to us." And and the importance of that is that is when I first began to realize the importance of one man pouring into another man's life and how important that is to an individual man. And as I went through that process of understanding the importance of discipleship, that verse became alive to me. And, and that's something that I speak into men's lives a lot of times. Well, you know, we don't have too many people quoting that scripture, but I love how you've used it to be an anchor verse for you. And it kind of goes right in line with what you do now in discipling and working with men. But Mike, everybody has a story and we know that. And men are filled with stories. And they come to us with their stories. Um, tell us a little bit about your story and how it eventually led you to being and um, accepting the call to lead men. Oh, man. Well, that was a long process. I will say, you know, I've, I've been in church all my life. I grew up in the church. I'm one of those guys who could say I grew up in the, I was 
in the church nine months before I was born because my parents were very active in that and expected me. And I came to Christ when I was 17. Now, are but, you, you know, from North Carolina? I, I am. Right now, so I am. I am born and raised right here where I live at now. I'm probably, I probably don't live more than eight miles from where I was born at. Wow. And, uh, Goodness. <laughs> the, the hospital's not even standing any longer. So, <laughs> Goodness, man. That shows you how old I am. No. Um, but, um, but I, you know, I came to Christ at an early young age, but the interesting thing, and this is another thing that um, as I got older, I realized is that, you know, men are often told what we're to do, but we're rarely trained in how to do it. And I used to, I used to phrase a lot of times, often told, rarely trained, but it wasn't until I had kidney cancer at age uh, 52, uh, where God began to get my attention as I was going through that process. And that's a long story that I won't, I won't. Uh, go completely into. I'll make it short. But th- during that process, I was sitting in church one day during my recovery uh, through the surgery and processes I had to go through. And I began to look at men's faces and I began to notice uh, their faces had kind of a deadpan look. You know, it was a look like, okay, I'm here. I'm doing what I'm supposed to do on Sunday mornings. You know, <laughs> I'm checked off the box. I'm keeping peace in the family. Yeah. Uh, and, what, yeah, this- and what time is the game? <laughs> yeah, that's right. What time is the game? You know, you know this. This looks this looks good to the community if they're looking for somebody to do business with. You know that kind of stuff. And as I was sitting there, God brought a scripture to mind, and it's something that we all have read. If you've read the scriptures at any time, and if you've, um, uh, especially in the Gospels, and and I've even read it over and over and over again, but it didn't make an impact onto me uh, over the years until that morning. And it comes from Matthew chapter seven. You know, part of the Sermon on Mount in verses 21 through 23, where it says, Jesus said, not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my father. And many will say to me on that day, but Lord, didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we do healings in your name? Didn't we heal this? Didn't we uh, meet the needs of the people in your name? And he'll say, depart from me. I never knew you. And it became almost like a light bulb moment, so to speak, to understand that we have many men in our churches who are going through the motion, who believe they're doing the things they're supposed to do in the church, but they don't have that intentional relationship with Jesus Christ. They're, they may be they may be doing uh, uh, building wheelchair ramps. They may be teaching Sunday school. They may be working in youth. They may, they may even be a pastor in a church, but they don't have that intentional relationship. And Jesus basically told me, God basically told me through that, through that opening is that, uh, you know, many men are doing great works in the church, but there is much work to be done within the walls of the church as there is outside the walls of the church. You know, we focus so much on the on the work outside. We we forget about the needs of speaking into men's lives that are within the walls of the church. So through that process, I began to pick up some books to read. I talked to my pastors. And, and Mike, this and is post after the diagnosis with cancer. This is after, after that. Yep. This is okay. after that. What happened was what happened was with that candidate is it got me out of, you know, I had a, I had a, a pretty successful career in the power industry, but it, but it stopped that for a period of time while I was fighting that battle with cancer. And so I was sitting at home, kind of twiddling my thumbs, but I started picking up the word of God. I started reading uh, books and, and, and God just began to put into me a passion and understanding the need to reach into men's lives. Uh, 
I grew up not having a mentor. I grew up not having someone who poured into my life, except for that initial uh, couple of teenage, couple of years as a teenager where somebody led me to Christ. Uh, I didn't, I didn't understand a lot of things about men issues and struggles. And, uh, and I just, I just kind of muddled along. But during this time, God put people in my lives like coach Kasaya, coach K and um, Pat Morley and, those people that you and I both know and others uh, from around the country, they just began to speak into my life. And I began to really understand the need for men to come alongside other men and pour into their lives. And uh, I, I sat under a, a gentleman you probably don't, I don't know if you know him or not, but it was Dr. You're, you're going to think it's the political guy, Dr. Bill Bennett. It's not the political guy. It was a, a pastor who pastored uh, Fort Smith, uh, First Baptist Church of Fort Smith, Arkansas, for a number of years, I think about 20 years. He came back to Wilmington and started a uh, mentoring group here, and I ended up setting under him for three years. And Joe, I learned more in those three years sitting under him than I did the 30 years prior to that of being in church. Just amazing what God did. So what? Time. So what was so remarkable about those three years? What 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 was it that was so impactful that you learned from Him that just kind of opened up your eyes? Because I had a similar experience when I met my mentor. Because I, I know I can relate to that statement, and but that's hard for a lot of guys to understand when you said because it is eye opening and shocking to us. Because and my, maybe I'm speaking just for Mike. You kind of think I'm smart. You know what I mean? I'm wise. I know some stuff. Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. And then you meet somebody like that. You're like, I don't know, Jack. I don't. What? What have I been doing my whole life? So, what was it that was so impactful with this man? Well, what got my attention firstly with him was actually 30 years earlier because I I met him initially when not long after I came to Christ. I was sitting in a church service that he was preaching at, and he was just rolling off scriptures off his tongue right and left, and he wasn't looking at his Bible. <laughs> right. I mean, I was like, dude, what is this dude, you know? And and so one Sunday uh, night, there was a revival, actually. One of, the, one of the nights of that week, I decided, I, you know, I shouldn't do this, but I'm just going to count the number of verses that he that he uh, quotes, you know, and I wow. wasn't really listening to him. So <laughs> by the time he got to a hundred verses, I stopped. Are you serious? I mean, a hundred verses in about 45 minutes. It seemed like his whole message was just quoting <laughs> verses oh and they were all aligning together to, to share the gospel message. And so, and so I just, I just put it off as a, as a, um, a person who had identical memory, you know, that could just look at something and he could never forgot to. And I said, no way I could remember verses like that. Well, 30 years later, when I actually, came across him again and got to sit under him, actually, in his ministry, uh, I learned that it was through complete discipleship or discipline, I should say, of memorizing scripture. And he'd been doing that ever since he was in college, of memorizing scripture. So that's one of the things that he instilled in me was the importance of memorizing scriptures and doing what Psalm 119.11 tells us, to hide the word in your heart so we don't sin against God, you know. And, and I began memorizing scripture. He began speaking into me things about men, you know, how to love your wife, how, how to uh, be a, dis- be a discipler, how to, how to uh, come alongside other men with struggles, dealing with their struggles and teaching them that, that there's uh, about how to work through those struggles. And he began pouring his life into me. That was an experience I never, never had before until that time. And in those three years that I sat under him doing that, it was just just one eye-opening moment after another because I had somebody 
who was who was taking me under their wing and teaching me everything they knew about the the gospel message and 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 the scriptures. You know, it's so like what Coach Cage always tell us about being intentional. He was intentional about discipling you. But, Absolutely. But, but in your interaction with him, with um, you said his name was Bill Bennett, not the political Bill Bennett. That's right. But in your interaction with him, did he ever give you um, any tips or strategies or secrets of how he's able to memorize so much scripture? He used to say, let me see if I can remember how he said. He used to say, "It's harder by the yard, but 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 uh, cinch by the inch." <laughs> you know, it was a, a, a basically. He says, "You just you just got to take a little bit of it at a time." He said, "Don't beat yourself up." He would give me several verses, maybe in a week to, to memorize, but uh, he wasn't expecting me to memorize all those verses. You know, he he would, but he would want me to work on one of those verses. So he would he would encourage you try to work on one of those verses, and even if uh, we met the next week. And he would ask, he said, all right, what verse did you try to memorize? And I gave him a verse. He said, well, say, say it back to me. And if I didn't get it exactly right, he didn't berate me for it. He knew I was trying. And so he just continued to encourage me. So he said, you just take it a little chunk set of time. Don't, don't worry about it. It's just, it's like I was teaching, uh, telling a, a young man that I meet with once a week right now. I said, there's this one verse I'm, I'm trying to get him to, to memorize. And I told him, I said, I'm going to tell you a little secret. I still have trouble with that verse. You know, I still struggle with that verse sometimes memorizing. And, and so it's just taking a little bit of time and don't beat yourself up, uh, so to speak. And don't beat the other guy up that you're ministering to because they didn't get it. You'll know if they're, you'll know if they're serious about uh, growing in their faith. So, you know, I, I struggle also with um, Bible memory and, and, and memorizing scripture. And people don't think I do because they hear me quoting scripture. And, but I really, to me, maybe personal for me, it's like, I realize it's easier for me to memorize scripture when it becomes personal to me when I need it. <laughs> you know, like if I need it to minister to me, it's amazing. I'll remember that scripture because I remember it's like administering first aid or CPR to you when you needed it and you were struggling. So I hate to say that a lot of times we, it's easier to memorize scripture when you're struggling with something that you need that word to minister to you. But I, I'm, I was just curious about it because I'm always impressed with people who can do that. And I'm like, God, I'll never be able to do that. But I realized that it's amazing how much scripture you do already know that you've forgotten that, you know, until you need it. I'm always shocked by that. I'm like, wow, I just quoted that word for but I thought, I, where'd that come from? Yeah, where did where'd that, that come, come from? from? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. There's a Holy Spirit within you bringing back to remembrance the things that you've learned. Right. And, right. and that's what it's all about. But unless you're in the word of God. It's not going to be there for him to bring it back. Absolutely. Now, Mike, I want to go back to something you said before, because this is, you know, being in ministry myself and, and work with men. I see it a lot. You hit it right on the head. You mentioned that that you were in church and you saw this look on some of the, these men's faces and you saw that there was no intentional relationship with Christ. And I don't know if I'm just naive because I run into a lot of men like that. And matter of fact, I was just um coaching a guy today who's been following the Lord for 30, over 30 years, longer than I have. Mm -hmm. But yet it was apparent as we continue to talk and I helped him to see, he didn't have a personal intimate relationship with Christ. So my question to you as a, a ministry leader is, why is that so prevalent that these, that we love God, we, we go to church, we do all these um, religious activities but still not have a personal interrelation with, with God. How is that possible? I think over the years in the church, um, and this, and I'm talking about within the last few years or 20 years, 30 years, I'm talking about probably hundreds of years uh, in the church. 
you know, it's kind of what I said earlier in my, in my, uh, in our talk here is that men are often told, but we're rarely trained. Um, even look at it, looking at parents, um, one of the things I'll sit back and look at my parents, and this is an example, I think what's happened with a lot of our men. Um, my mom and dad had me in church every Sunday. They had me there every Sunday. I mean, if I wasn't sick or we wasn't traveling, we were going to be in church. And, uh, but you know, I never remember my dad opening a Bible up at home. Never remember, never remember seeing him pray. Um, never spoken to my life, uh, things of spiritual nature. Uh, but he was going to have me in church. You know, he, 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 I was there and now he passed away when I was 14 and uh, mom continued that and, and had me doing things with the youth and, you know, just being involved. The interesting thing is when I had children, guess what I did? I did the same thing. I, I took them to the church, you know, I let the church do all the teaching. I never spoken to them spiritual things. I'm blessed because both of my kids do know the Lord and are very active in their local, local body of believers where they're meeting at. And until we break that cycle, until we understand the importance of men speaking into our children's lives uh, and, and uh, helping them to grow in the word, uh, the process is going to continue. You know, we've got to break that chain. And I think what happens is, is that we develop a, a, a congregation of inoculated people. We've been throwing that word around a lot because of the pandemic, but inoculated people to the gospel message of fully understanding what it means to have an intentional, loving relationship with Jesus Christ. We think that as long as we go to church, how many times have you talked to people and say, what makes you a Christian? Well, I go to church. Go, you know, yeah, my parents church. were at church. My parents were Christians, you know, and you hear I, that I all the time. In, I grew up in the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You hear that all the time. And that's where that verse that I was sharing at the beginning in my testimony comes in place so much that we fail to realize those verses, they're not for the lost people, so to speak. They're not for the people who are outside the church. They're for the people who are there with the church. Look at Judas Iscariot. Look at him. He was right there with Jesus. He did everything with the disciples with Jesus. He was one of the 72 that went out, Luke 10, that Jesus sent out in twos to minister to the world. And I'm sure when he came back to report to Jesus what all they did, he was excited about the rest of them, just like the rest of them. But look what happened with Jesus. He didn't have that real intentional relationship with Christ, and he ended up making some bad decisions that ultimately cost him his life and his relationship, uh, a chance of being in the kingdom of God. And that's what's happening to, I think, a lot of our men in, in our churches today. We're just going through the motions. You know, we're getting excited about seeing things happening, but we are, we are not diving into the word of God. We're not developing those that relationship where we're um, allowing the word of God to speak into our lives and internalize it. I think that's what's, what the big deal is. So, Mike, what do we do to break out of that? If, if we're doing this like a zombie and we're walking in this trance of um, you know, the, the church, because what I'm hearing is that we're talking about two different things, about duty and devotion. There's no devotion. So, yeah, we, we like you said, we're, we're, we're told what to do, but we're not trained. So what can we do if a man finds himself in that position? What can he do to break out of that trance? Well, if he recognizes that he's in bad position, he needs to seek someone out that can come alongside him and teach him. He needs to go to his pastor and say, hey, I'm not growing in my faith. I'm not, I'm not, I, I don't know how to study my Bible. I don't know how to have a quiet time. I don't know how to. Mike, it sounds to me you're saying he needs to humble himself. 
Yes, he does. <laughs> he does. He needs to humble himself. Now, how many men you know is going to really do that? Right. You know? That's the problem. You know? uh, and uh, and so if he recognizes that, that's great. And he needs to go seek somebody out. But the real answer is, is that people like you and I who understand this problem, who understand this concern and need in the church, need to step out in faith and begin tapping men on the shoulder and say, hey. Seeking them out. Yeah. Yeah. Seek them out. I, I, Hey, tap him on the shoulder. It's what I like to say a lot of times. Tap, tap the guy on the shoulder and say, hey, how would you like to join me for coffee or breakfast or lunch? Our friend Coach K used to call that PLA moments, you know, Barnum's lunch appointments, you know, where he would spend some time with these guys and develop that relationship. And as he developed that relationship, he would begin pouring the word of God into their lives and encourage them to do things. And that's what it's going to take is for us men who know God to step out and do that. And, and, and that's another story in itself in getting guys to do that. Yeah, because, because you're right. If we hold our breaths waiting for guys to say, hey, can you teach me how to read my Bible? Can you show me how to do a quiet time with God? We'll be waiting for a long time. And so those who do know better, we should be doing better and by being intentional and reaching out to these guys. Um, and, and I know a lot of times, even for us, I'm an introvert and people find that hard to believe. I prefer <laughs> not to be around people. Yeah. You're the same way, Mike. And, <laughs> and, you know, and we prefer, we actually prefer not to be around people, but we feel that, wow, this is something that God has called us to do. And that, but I get encouraged by that because we're introverts because we're thinking, because we know how many men we reach out to and do it intentionally that if we can do it, we know anybody else can do it. Because we're telling you up front, we prefer not to do it. And we're still doing it anyway. And so, but but yeah, man, you know, as you know, Mike, Real Men Connect, our organization is a paraministry. And when guys come to us, one of the biggest complaints is that they don't believe that their men's ministry or their group of men that they hang around go deep enough into their interactions with others. Um, what do you say about that? And what would you suggest uh, men do who may find themselves in such a group like I hear what you and Mike are saying, but I'm part of a group. But to me, it's so surface. There's nothing deep about it. What do you suggest to that guy who's complaining about the, the, the lack of depth in their relationships with other men in the church? Take the lead. Be the example. Um, if you are a child of God, he has given you the ability and he's given you the strength to, to take that. I, I remember speaking to a guy uh, several years ago and he said, I'm not a leader. I can't do that. And I asked him, I said, are you a husband? He said, yeah. I said, are you a father? He said, yeah. I said, you're a leader. You can leave. God's put, God's put you in that position to leave. So sometimes us guys, uh, when we're sitting back and waiting for somebody else to do it, maybe God is telling you, I want you to do it, you know, and you take that lead. You go tap somebody on the shoulder and say, join. Maybe, maybe uh, you haven't been in a discipling relationship yourself. But go tap that guy on the shoulder and, and ask him, say, hey, would you like to take a journey with me as we work through a book or study a, a book in the Bible? Or maybe maybe a, a book somebody wrote that speaks into the lives of men. Um, uh, but take the lead and just do it and let the other guys see what's happening. And, and eventually you'll see that it's, it, it will start permeating through your through your society because they'll see changes happening. Uh now, Dr. Uh, uh, Pat Morley used to used to say and tell us all the time. In fact, he wrote they wrote it in one of their books. He said, "Ministry men is like rocket science. You know, it's it's a hard thing to do. Men are a hard thing to do. They're 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 very complex, and and we uh if you we need to take the the initiative and just step out 
and uh, be that guy to lead. Now, Mike, what about, what about the guy who says, okay, yeah, I hear what you're saying. I need to take the lead. I need to go first. I, you know, one of my friends, he says, love is saying, I'll go first. And one of my um, guys that leaders in our ministry, he says, leadership is saying, I'll go first too. But what about that guy who says, okay, I'm willing to go first, but I've gone first before in the past, Mike. And I've been hurt or I've been shunned or I've been condemned or I've been judged or whatever. And I'm not willing to put myself out there again. What do you suggest to that guy who has had some bad experience in stepping out and taking initiative? Maybe he didn't have supportive, a uh, supportive pastor or supportive church. And he says, no, I'll never do that again. What would you suggest to him? Well, I think all of us are going to go through that experience at some point in our lives. Um, I know I have. I mean, when I first started into ministering to men, uh, I had people, you know, it kind of reminded me of some of the things I used to hear when I was a young man saying, uh, what do you know about that? What makes <laughs> you think you could do that? You know, and I got uh, sweaters older than you. What do you do? Yeah, right. <laughs> That's the deal, you know? And, uh, and so, and so it, it, I think that the, for individuals who have been hurt by that, they just need to persevere. They need to, they need to just put it in God's hands and just continue to push forward and, and let God to lead them. Um, yeah, I've been there. In fact, I, I was having a conversation with my wife here just a few days ago, just sharing my frustrations over some things that I'm having to deal with right now uh, in regards to ministry. And I'm like, you know, I'm about ready to throw my hands up. But at the same time, I know. So that I'm not. That's the o- I'm not the only one, Mike. So you, oh no. you go that too. No. <laughs> I, thought, I thought I was weird or something. All right, because so, <laughs> I know your heart for men's ministry and how much you love it. And yeah, people are shocked to hear me. They think I love them. They hear me say, do you think about quitting? Yeah, all the time. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, and, and, and to be honest with you, this past 18 months with the pandemic, because, you know, I manage I manage men's conferences and uh, deal with that. And I want to tell you something, this past 18 months has been the hardest, hardest I've ever had deal, you know, in working in ministry to men. Um, and so it's, uh, yeah, I've been ready to say, I'm done. You know, okay, Lord, you're moving me on to somewhere else, right? And he'll say, no, don't even go there, buddy. <laughs> I still got work for you to do. And uh, and so so men who are struggling, just realize all of us are going through that, and we do that, and can persevere. And that's where you need someone in your life, whether it be me, whether it be Dr. Joe, whether it be somebody else, that can walk alongside of you, that's understood, understands that frustration and can be there with you and pray with you and help you talk through uh, that situation. So you need that individual. And Mike, I know you have this in your life too, because when it, sometimes being in um, a leadership position in ministry can feel like a lonely thing. I know pastors definitely can relate to what I'm saying. And I, I don't know where I'd be if I didn't have our leaders and our support team um, because I do feel like I could fall apart in front of them. Oh yeah, and whine and complain. I can't do it on the air, you know what I mean? but but I could do it. But I could do it with these guys, and they hold me together, and they 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 keep me encouraged. They keep my arms up, and and we need it too. We, Amen. So we can Amen. relate to that guy who's frustrated, who's been disappointed, who's been rejected, because. We've experienced that. I, I tell them, you know, if you're going to be intentional about making disciples and reaching out to men, you know, you say tap them on the shoulder, Mike. Uh, well, now let's tell them the truth. A lot of times you're going to tap them on the shoulder and they're going to run. 
Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> they're going to run away from you. And you got to get used to scaring the crap out of people because what do you what do you want? Why do you want me to talk to me? What do you want to do? <laughs> what did and, I do? You know? Yeah. What did I do to you? You know, so I, I've learned to at least even accept that, that not every guy is going to respond the way I want him to respond. But I know you have to be patient. You have to be persistent. And also you got to have a good memory of what it took for you to warm up and to open up to other people. It does. It does. And, and, you, and you're talking about advisors and so forth. I, I, uh, I, you know, it's always good to have good advisors around, you know, to talk to us about having many counselors around us. And uh, I mean, I just opened up to one of my advisors this past Monday about some of my frustrations. And that's all I said, hey, man, I just need to rant a little bit. You mind listening? And he yeah. said, you go for it, man. <laughs> that's so, right. <laughs> and so I shared and, I, and when I got through, I said, OK, I'm I'm going to do a pull a mini pearl on you. I, I'm done now. <laughs> you know. Yeah, and so and, and, yeah, you just need to get it out sometimes, man. Yeah, I, I you tell do. you, <laughs> you do. But but just keep her, just keep persevering for those guys who are feeling fr- frustrated, and, and and hopefully you have someone that you can share your frustrations so they can pray with you and they can help you talk through the, what's going on. And Mike, I know you can relate to this too, is that as tough as it is, I I don't think, you know, men know it's tough to be in, you know, they need brotherhood, they need community, and they realize, wow, it's tough to build a relationship. They have no idea how tough it is to be a leader of that. But I'm I'm sure you will attest to this too. No matter how tough it is and how much it can be a struggle sometimes, the fruit of it is so worth it though. The the fruit is, I mean, just one or two people. Well, so- if it wasn't for any other reason, just to see that happen, oh. it was worth it. And I think that's what keeps us in it, because God will give us that God. We, every once in a while, he'll show you something. And you're like, and here I was just complaining the other day about to quit yesterday. <laughs> and then this happens. And you're like, wow. Like, Mike, I, I share this quick story with you. Um, we, what, we, we have guys all over the country. And one of our guys, he's up in Knoxville. He's up in Knoxville. And we had a couple of guys here in town say, hey, we're going up to go see this guy. They said, Joe, you want to come with us? Now, remember, I'm leading the organization, right? They said, Joe, you want to come up with us? I said, yeah, I, I can go up with you guys. We drove up to Knoxville here from Chattanooga. It's about an hour and a half. We, we drove up there and we um, um, talked to his wife. Then we had we took him out and had um, lunch with, uh, with him. And he was so thrilled that anybody would come all the way up there to go see him just to have lunch with him. And then we came back home and for that moment, being in his presence, him laughing with us. I mean, we were cracking. We had so much fun and I didn't realize I was wearing crimson in Knoxville. That's a whole nother story. I was stupid. (laughs) (laughs) And so we're sitting there, we're having fun. And I'm thinking just for that moment, Mike, I'm like, this is what it's all about. And his wife, she was grinning from ear to ear to see these men come hang out with her husband, these godly men hang out with her husband and take him away and get up, get him out of the house <laughs> you know? and just fellowship with him. And then before we left, he prayed for us and covered us in our going back. And I'm like, I said, what problems was I having in ministry again? <laughs> it, it was so encouraging to see something like that. And that happens a lot with us. And that's what makes it worth it. Well, I'll tell you, I agree. I'll tell you, just a, just a few weeks ago, I, I'm meeting with a young man that goes to the church my wife and I attends and uh, meet with him once a week. And and he um, 
and he's getting it. He really is. He's get, he's getting what he needs to needs to know and understand. But uh, I was just, just sitting there in church once. Anyway, I was walking down the aisle or something like that, and his wife came up to me, and um, uh, I wasn't expecting her. I didn't even notice her until she was right there in front of me. She said, "I want to tell you how much I appreciate you taking time to pour into my husband's life because I'm seeing a difference." And I want to tell you something. Wow. It's great when you see men getting it and, 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 and their life is changing and they're diving into work. But when a wife comes to you and tells you that, oh, I got goosebumps <laughs> right now yeah, just, just yeah. remembering that conversation. <laughs> yeah. you know, and and that, happens, that happens more often than a lot of people think about when you, when you begin to pour your life into other men. Because sometimes you think the woman's coming up and she's going to punch you in the gut or something. <laughs> <laughs> but, with, yeah, but when they tell you about, wow, man, thank you. I mean, you can see it in their eyes. And oh, yeah. They're ready to cry. They're like, because they know their husbands even better than we do. They live with him. <laughs> yeah, and so they right. know how far along he was or where he was headed and that kind of thing. And then to see him take a totally different direction. It's funny now because a lot of the uh, women in our ministry, they got my number on speed dial. They said, we have a problem. We call Dr. <laughs> Joe. And I, and I give him permission to do that. I say, hey, because we got a, a bunch of guys who we know will rally around that guy and make sure he doesn't stay stuck on stupid. <laughs> you know? now, and we can do that, too. <laughs> that's right. Now, Mike, what advice would you give to a guy that's listening if he feels he's been called um, to lead men in a similar way that we've been called to do it? And what would you want him to look for if he did it? Because <laughs> it sounds like it's a great gig, a great thing to do. But what would you get? What advice would you give him and what would you warn him about? Well, the first thing I'll let him know, uh, be honest with him, be upfront with him. This is not easy work. This is hard work. And this is something you've got to make sure that you are called to do. And you've got to listen to the you got to listen to that calling. But if he gives you that calling, uh, you know, uh, Romans eleven twenty nine tells us uh, the calling of God is irrevocable. Uh, if he's called you to this ministry, it's exactly what he expects you to do. You and I, I talk to, about. I try to run away from it for seven that's years. Right. And I that's right. Do you, it. You, yeah. you and I, you and I talk about quitting and stuff like that. But God's called us to this. We can't quit. This is what God's called us to do. Uh, the second thing is, you need to have somebody uh, like us uh, that's been in ministry for a while to to mentor you in, in through. Um, find some books to read that deals with, uh, you know, there's a lot of good books out there dealing with men's ministry. Find some good books to read. Um, be sure you spend a lot of time bathing what you think your calling is in prayer, being in the word and praying a lot of praying and have other people praying for you, uh, as you, as you move into it. And then as you go through that process, God will begin to open doors for you in, in ways like you've never imagined. If he's truly called you to do this. So, Mike, you, you mentioned about the praying part, um, and I think um, Patrick Morley told us about this when we were going through the training, that he says that, do you realize if you accept this call that God has put on your life to minister to men, all hell's going to break loose? Oh, yeah. He says oh, the yeah. enemy is going to come at you all guns blaring. Oh, absolutely. Because you're trying to reestablish the man in the home as the spiritual head. He says, you think the devil is not going to fight against that? Oh, yeah. He, he said, knows what pushes push. Yeah. He said, you actually, when you accept the call, that's why you said we got to be honest with them. When you accept the call to minister to men, you are actually painting a big target on your back that you're because life is not going to stop for you either. You still got to deal with your wife, your kids, your extended family and the people in your life deal with your own health issues and all this other stuff. And 
if anything, the enemy needs to take you out to, to stop the work. And so, but yeah, you're right. You got to be prayed up and praying all the time and have other people praying and interceding for you as well. Yeah. You know, there's scripture that I quote a lot of times that men uh, come from Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse nine and 10. It says two is better than one because there's great return on their labor. But if one falls down, there's another there to lift him up. And the interesting thing is that at the end of that verse, there's a warning to guys. He says, pity the man who doesn't have another to lift yeah, him up. Yeah, some translation says, whoa to the That's man. Right. <laughs> That's right. Woe to Absolutely. that man who has no one there. So, and then when you look at yeah. and then when you look at scriptures from Jesus, when Jesus sent people out, out, he never sent them out by themselves. They were always sent out by twos. And even when you look through the apostles, the acts of the apostles and, and listen and read in the, the letters of the epistles that Paul wrote, he was always talking about how somebody was with him. And some of Silas or Timothy or Barnabas or somebody, somebody was with each other. The only time you see uh, an individual by themselves is the uh, Philip when he was speaking to the Ethiopian eunuch, you know, and uh, trying to explain the, the Isaiah to him. And and even though the scripture says it makes it sound like he was by himself, I would not be at all surprised that Luke just left out the part that there was somebody <laughs> else there with him, you right? Know? Right. Um, because we we've got to have those individuals. I mean, I've got them in my life that 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 is there walking alongside me. Uh, all the time. And, and I know you do too. And so as a leader, man, you've got to, because you're right. I want to tell you something. Satan knows, the enemy knows your but buttons to push to, to get you aggravated. He knows your trigger points to, to get you to do something or say something that you probably shouldn't do. And, and he understands that. And, and, and we're going to slip up from time to time. There's no way around it. We're going to slip up from time to time. So we need to have those guys in our lives. You know what? We're going to transition um, shortly to the man of questions. And because, man, Mike, I, I love talking to um, to you and other men about men's ministry, people who get it. You know what I mean? Because we're trying to reach men, but there's people, you know, who understand you and they understand the battle and everything. And I, you know, I, I'm going to get selfish as I close this segment out and we go into the man of questions because um, this is on a personal note. You know, you and I, you know, we, we, we've talked and we always talk um, glowingly about Coach K and how much we miss him. Um, and Because I find myself, like you do too, find yourself quoting him a lot, especially when we're dealing with men or we're dealing with men who are trying to get into men's uh, ministry leadership. I want to know, on a, just on a personal note, what do you miss most about Coach? And if you could see him today and talk to him today, what would you say to him now? What I miss most is being able to sit in that cracker barrel table that we used to meet at a lot of times and just look across the table at each other and him just just speaking into my life. And 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 the, what I would say to him was how much I appreciated all the words of affirmation and encouragement he he spoke into my life, even when I didn't think that I could do something, uh, stand up in front of a group of men and speak or, or take a man under my wing and, and pour my life into him. He was there encouraging me and how much I appreciated that. Um, and I speak a lot about that in my book that I just, that just came out here just recently uh, about coach K a lot of, a lot of stuff's in there about him. And it's, um, uh, I, 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 you have no idea how much I miss that man how much he really inspired me in what I do today. Um, he was, he was a, 
he was a men's pastor above men's pastor. And not only was he a men's pastor, he was a pastor to you and I in so many ways of, of, of helping us to understand how important it is to, for us to, to speak into men's lives. Yeah, Mike, I wanted to ask you about that because you knew Coach longer than I did. And I know the impact he had on my life in just over a few years. And wasn't his funeral wonderful? It's, it's still probably one of the best funerals I've ever been to in my life. And it, I remember um, talking to, um, um, to Bernie Riddlebush. I don't know if you had a chance to meet Bernie Riddlebush. No, but I know, I know a lot about you him. Know, you know a lot about <laughs> him. And Bernie's another one of my mentors as well. And I remember um, talking to Bernie at the funeral and I asked um, Bernie, I said, Bernie, what do you, um, how does that make you feel to see, go to attend a funeral like this? And Bernie didn't know him as well as we did. And Bernie says that I was thankful that I had met a man like this. I know you guys had a close relationship with him. He says, and he said, it makes me start questioning God. You still have me here. What do you want me to do? You <laughs> still to do. He said, but Joe, it also makes me sad. I said, why does it make you sad? He said, because most people would never experience a funeral like coach K had. They wouldn't, they didn't have that kind of relationship with Christ and they joined. It breaks my heart because they're missing out on so much. But then Bernie looked at me and he says, Joe, um, what does it make you think of attending a funeral like this? And Mike, I lost it. He said, um, how's that make you feel? I said, um, like, there's no excuse for me not to do what God has called me to do. I said, there's no excuse. I said, God has blessed me with so many great men in my life, especially having grown up with none. And then to have this many great men, I said, Bernie, you, Coach K, you know, how I'm talking about Pastor Terry, all these great men in my life, in my latter years. And I said, what? I see either God thinks I'm really needy because <laughs> he put a lot of great men in my life, or God is really expecting me to do something and be faithful with the resources that he's given me. And Mike, I, I just, it just like, I felt so blessed to have Coach K in my life for just a few years. I'm like, what did I do to deserve to have a man like that in my life? I know. I agree. I agree. Totally. 100%. You know, absolutely. So I was just curious to know what your thoughts, because you knew him longer than I did, and you were closer to him than even I was. And to, I just wanted to know. But man, I'm now messing up myself emotionally. But let me get back on track, man. It's time, Mike. I know you're ready for this for the man up question. Oh yeah, man. Bring you home. know about them. They're all they are just five <laughs> quick questions, starting with the letters yeah. M A N U P, and all they requires your fearless honesty, which Mike, you're not gonna have a problem whatsoever. So, brother, question is, are you ready, man? I'm ready. All right. And guys, we'll be right back with my guest, Mike Sandlin, after this short break. Hey, Mighty Warrior. Whenever I travel across the country speaking and teaching at men's conferences, I'm often asked, Joe, what do you do for a living? And I usually respond by saying, I simply help Christian men win. <laughs> I tell them that I provide men with a proven five-step plan that's guaranteed to help any Christian man succeed in the areas that matter most to him as a man, like loving God, being the hero of his home, being a champion at work, protecting and providing for his family, and leaving a legacy of faith for his children and his grandchildren. And I tell him that the men who come through our organization walk away better equipped and more confident to win in the battles that they fight every day as men. 
Now you can imagine the response I usually get is, what is that proven five-step plan? <laughs> and I tell them we provide a free training on our website. All they have to do is go to rmcfree.com to gain access to it. That's it. So if you like to find out the five critical things that every Christian man needs to succeed, guaranteed, then just go over to rmcfree.com to get the training. That's rmcfree.com. men of God. I'm with my guest and my friend, Mike Sandlin. And we've been talking about men. We've been talking about ministry and we've been talking about discipleship. And Mike is chomping at the bit to get to the man of questions. And I can't wait to ask him. And Mike, we'll start with the first letter. Letter starts with M and it stands for mistake. When it comes to men's ministry and discipling men, what mistake did you learn the most from in trying to make disciples? <laughs> I can't wait to hear this. <laughs> thinking I'm smarter than what I really am, I guess. <laughs> um, you know, it, it's, it's, uh, it, uh, I think that, I think the issue is thinking I was going to be able to, um, reach every guy. When I first became, went into men's ministry, I was a men's leader in my local church. And, uh, and I had this imaginary vision that we plan an event and every man in the church, <laughs> is gonna go. <laughs> every man in the church will be there. And, and then only, tw- and then only 20 shows up. And I would be deflated. How many men at your church? How many men were at oh, that church? Oh, well, we were 2,500 members at the church. So, you know, so you probably a good, thou- good thousand guys. Oh, you know? my goodness. And, um, and 20 guys would show up, you know. Wow. Um, and, and you talk talking about being deflated. And, and so I think the mistake was, was understanding that as a men's ministry leader, you can only reach one man at a time. You know, understand that. Yeah, he may put you in a position where you could speak to thousands at one time, but to really to really have a direct impact into a man's life over a period of time, it could only be one man at a time and understanding that. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it's funny because I'm asking you these questions. I'm excited to hear your answers for because nobody's ever asked me these questions in reference to men's ministry. In this I'll have you back on my podcast and I'll do that. <laughs> because I wanna, I'm, ask, I'm asking you the question. Thinking, how would I answer that question? You know, I'm thinking, so I, it's, it's funny. I get to ask you as if you were me. Ask somebody asking me those questions. Now, let's look at the A. The A represents attitude. And I can't wait to hear this one. If you could change one attitude in the heart of men that you minister to and disciple, what would it be? You see the bigger totality of the problem that we have with men. I can't wait to hear what attitude and heart of men would you change? To help men to understand that they don't have it all together, I guess is what it boils down. You know, um, in my travels, I see, uh, I see a lot of men in their 40s and 50s who, who um, still have an adolescent mindset, so to speak. And I don't know if that's because they're trying to um, – uh, act younger or think they're younger than what they really are. But it's same kind, a lot of the same kind of mindset that they had when they were in high school and college and, and basically allowing them to, to recognize uh, God to use them. You, you need to be able to allow God, put, have godly, strong, godly men to speak into their lives and, and, and uh, come out of that, that mindset. Uh, I was talking to somebody here not too long ago on my podcast. He was speaking about how men are, we typically think uh, gamers and, and people who are addicted to uh, 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 computer games and so forth generally are your teenage 
teenagers and maybe college age, he says the biggest group is the people who are between 35 and 45 years of age. And, and, and that's that adolescent mindset that's still playing into those guys a lot of times. And so it's, it's to help them the need to understand that they need to change their attitude. They have men in their lives so they can allow God to develop them to be the men God created them to be. Mm-hmm. That's good stuff, man. Now, Mike, I know you just mentioned that you had a book out now and the end stands for next. When it comes to um, discipling men and making disciples, what's the next big thing you would attempt to do for God or let God do through you um, if you couldn't fail? That's a big question. That's a heavy question. Remember, I told you at the beginning, these better questions, you know, I thought I'd be able to reach every man in, in my church, you know, at one time. Um, but I think that it, it goes along with that. It's particularly with our high schoolers and our college age guys and guys who are just coming out of school and going into the workforce is to help them. If I could, if I could make it happen, make every church realize the importance and for these young men to understand the importance of having a mentor in their life, to having a discipler in their life, to help them to um, not only grow in Christ, but also to be able to walk through the issues and struggles that they're going to have in life because they're going to come. They're going to come. And so many of us like myself uh, who in my twenties, you know, I thought I knew what it meant to be married. I got married when I was 21 and I thought what, I thought what it all meant to be married, but you know, it was 15 years later when my wife and I was sitting in a marriage conference before I realized, Oh, this is what marriage is all about, you know? And, and so, you know, it's, it takes, it takes individuals to pour into, to, to help individuals grow into the men they're supposed to be. And if I could fix that where our churches will understand the importance of developing those discipling ministry programs to be able to speak into young people's lives, that's what I'd fix. But Mike, you know, I, I got a follow-up question. Normally I don't add a question to the man of questions, but you just brought up <laughs> something that's interesting to me about that. Cause that's what you would do next. You would want to let them understand the importance of mentorship. I've noticed something in our ministry that we have, a, we attract young guys. I'm talking about 21, 22 years old coming to become part of our brotherhood, our, uh, our ministry. But I've noticed something. They don't last long. Yeah. They, they come in and they say, and I'm, first of all, I'm impressed because like you said, I got married at 22. And so we thought we knew everything and we realized we didn't know anything, but to see these guys come in with the knowledge that I need help, but then to see them not last is shocking to me. What do you think um, is the reason why a young person could be aware that they need that and then all of a sudden be afraid of it or not participate in it anymore? I think if you and I are doing our jobs, we're challenging them. And sometimes they're having a hard time with that challenge because they've never been challenged before. They've never been challenged like that. And, I, uh, I, and, you're duh. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> and, 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 yeah. And, and that's it. You know, it's just like uh, the guys I meet with, you know, I tell them, I said, now, I want you to understand it's not just going to be a coffee uh, gathering that we do every every week or every two weeks, however I'm meeting. I'm going to expect you to do something. I'm going to expect you to read some scriptures. I'm going to expect you to be able to tell me what you what's God telling you as you read those scriptures. I'm going to tell you, I'm going to ask you to memorize some scriptures, and, and and I'm going to hold your feet to the fire to that. And we challenge them. Yeah, and be and, uh, and be honest about your struggles too, and and what your sins are. And that yeah, now that I think about it, that would have scared the crap out of me too if I was. <laughs> 21, 22 years old. And I got to confess this to guys who are like old enough to be my dad. 
dead. <laughs> you know, what I, mean? I don't know. I don't. I want to ask you some hard questions. You know, and uh, and so anyway, I think I think that has a lot to do because our young guys. That's the reason why I say it's so important for our churches. It's great that we have great youth programs. It's great that we have great children's programs. But we need those guys under men who who can ha- ask them those hard questions. And so as they grow up and get into the world in those early twenties, that's what they're expecting. That's what we're expecting out of guys. So that's good stuff, man. Now let's go to the you, Mike. You uh, represents understand when you were first starting out as a men's ministry leader. What was the one thing you didn't understand about being a man, but you know better now as you've grown and matured into manhood? How to love my wife. You know, mentioned earlier, my dad died when I was 14. There's no doubt in my mind. He loved my mom. And, um, uh, but he died when he was 14. And so when I was growing up in my former teenage years, uh, I didn't have a man in my life to teach me the things that men, young, young teenage boys need to be taught. And so I learned how to love from my friends and from TV. And you know how dangerous that is. And um, and so, like I said earlier, it wasn't until we went to that marriage conference, which we've been to marriage conference three or four years in a row by the time this happened. But it was a particular conference where a husband and wife was standing up there talking. And I had somewhat of a rapport with them because, in fact, they worked for the same company I worked for at that time. And, uh, and it, it was like one of those light bulb moments came on. Oh. This is what you mean by husbands love your wives as Christ, Christ loved the church. The church. Mm-hmm. This is what you mean by live with her in an understanding way so your prayers won't be hindered. And, you know, and I began to recognize that and understand that. I, 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 my marriage, my first 13 years, even though it was a good marriage, it could have been a much better marriage if, if I had learned all that in, in my early years. So, wow. Wow. And Mike, here's the last Last question. P stands for problem and man up. As a mighty man of God, which you are, brother, um, what problem do you still struggle with as a leader of men even today? Confidence. Hmm. Confidence. Once again, reverting back to my teenage years after my dad died, when I would try to do something or, or uh, uh, try to make something happen or venture out somewhere, I would always hear these one, one or two of these excuse me, phrases, what makes you think you can do that? Mm-hmm. And why would you want to do that? <laughs> why would you want to do that? Yeah. And, um, yeah. and, and, and that particular, those phrases were, were basically coming from my mom. Uh, as much as she loved me and loved her children, I, I reckon I, I look back on it now and I understand she, she was a very protective mom because she was having to be mom and dad. Now that dad was passed away. And, uh, and so that's part of my mother wound. I had to, I had to deal with years ago and it developed a lack of self-confidence in me, especially when I'm in front of people. And, uh, and, and, and as we said earlier, when you get into this ministry role, Satan knows the buttons to push. He knows that he knows your trigger points to get you to start thinking. And for a long time, after I was spoke in front of a church or, uh, teach a lesson that my wife may be attending with me and we're traveling back home, I would look at her and say, did I make any sense? Did they understand what I was talking about? You know, and, and of course I wasn't saying that from a standpoint of wanting feedback from her, even though from time to time, she still gave it to me. Um, But I was looking for affirmation. I was looking for affirmation that 
honey, you're doing good. You're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. And, and yes, you're making sense. So I struggle with that even today. Am I really doing the things that God would want me to do? And am I doing them well? Am I doing them well? And see, Mike, that's why I love asking the man up question, because anybody who knows you and has seen you, they would not even have a clue. That's what your struggle would be, you know, but that's why I, I love the man up question. Cause I want men to know that yes, God has called us. He's called you, but just because we've accepted the call and we're doing the call doesn't mean we don't struggle. Oh gosh. We're, we're not invincible. We still struggle. And a lot of this comes from a lot of our childhood wounds that we've had to deal with. And we have to press through in spite of those triggers and that trauma. Man, you did a great job, man. That was awesome. Thanks for being so transparent and honest with us, Mike. I mean, that, that was wonderful, man. I appreciate it. Appreciate I'm glad it. we had a chance to get to it. Now, man, guess what? We've come to the end of our show. Can you believe that? But don't you worry. We'll be back to do it again next week with a new guest, with new insights, new lessons. So make sure you don't miss it. And I like to thank my guest, my friend, Mike Sandlin, for joining us today and being so gracious with his time. Mike, thank you so much, brother, for being on our show, man. I really appreciate thank it. Thank you. Thank you for letting me be here. You know, and Mike, quickly, if our listeners wanted to find out more about you, um, your ministry and what you're working on, how can they connect with you? What would be the best way? You had mentioned a book as well. Yeah, there's a book out there that just came out this, this past July and summer. It's called The Call. We were talking about being called into the ministry. It's called The Call, A Journey into Men's Ministry. And uh, and, it, and believe it or not, that is uh, understanding how God called me into uh, ministry to men and a lot of insights that I have learned over the years ministry men. And some of those insights come from our, our good friend, uh, Coach Day, Metro Coach Day. So get that, you know, that book. If you want to reach out to me, uh, you can go to kfearmen.net. kfearmen.net. It's a website. And there's there's a, a, a button there that you can push to reach out and connect with me. Or you could just email at info, I-N-F-O, info at kfearmen.net. Either way, you can, you can get up with me. Fantastic. And guys, what we'll do is we'll make sure to put both of those, that information, as well as additional information on Mike inside the show notes. That's Cape Fear, um, CapeFearMen.net and info at CapeFearMen.net if you want to email him. And guys, please reach out to Mike. Let him know what you thought of the show. And take about 30 seconds, go over to Apple Podcasts and rate the program. It's the best way to help us get this program in the hands, ears, and hearts of men just like you. And please don't keep us a secret. Share us with your friends. Guys, until next time, I'm Joe Martin, your man builder with RealMenConnect.com, reminding you that we are males by birth, but we are men by choice. So each and every day, choose to be the man that God has called and created you to be because a male is a terrible, terrible thing to waste. So until next time, stay strong, stay blessed, stay connected because real men do connect, but most importantly, stay in God's grip and we'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to the Real Men Connect podcast with Dr. Joe Martin. Real Men Connect isn't just a podcast, it's a mission, ministry, and movement to help good men become the great men God called and created us to be. And the best is yet to come. So if you enjoyed this episode, go ahead and leave us a review in iTunes. It really helps us to build the podcast and to reach, teach, and impact more men, all for the glory of God. And make sure you check out realmenconnect.com to get our free tools and resources to help you go from good man to great man God's way. Again, that's realmenconnect.com. Thank you for listening. We'll see you in the next episode.